Podcast, proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Net on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. And of course, you can find my co host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. On top of us, I almost forgot it, guys. I did. I'm not going to lie. I almost forgot it. There are a ton of other great podcasts that are part of this network, including guys such as Jim Day of the FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto of Sirius XM Fantasy Football, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many great others. And you can find all of those podcasts on FullTimeFantasy.com. Be sure to check them out as they have a wide range of fantasy podcasts, including everything you need to know to get all of your fantasy football knowledge and help you win in the 2019 season. Today is the last of our top 24 series. We have finally gotten here. We did the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers on Monday. We are now doing the tight ends today on Pre-season week one opening. That is right. It's here. It's back. Football is back. We are here. It is preseason week one. While we won't see a lot of players playing tonight, we will get some, such as Kyler Murray, who I am excited to watch just to see what he does. Obviously, week three is the big week for all the starters coming out and playing, but it should still be fun to watch some football tonight. Before we get Dennis in here and start talking about some of the breaking news, and we have had some fairly interesting little news nuggets dropped in the past couple days, I want to remind you guys that we, the Fantasy Football Roundtable, will be at the Fantasy Football World Championships September 5th through the 8th in Las Vegas. We will be recording live from Radio Row at the FFWC at the Palms Resort on the 6th and 7th. We will be broadcasting drafts and everything. It's all getting set up. It's going to be a ton of fun. So make sure if you guys are going to be in Vegas to come by and check us out. Otherwise, get ready to listen to some awesome episodes from us being out there in Vegas. On top of that, we have another little promo we want to talk about in the Midwest Fantasy Expo that we've been promoting. It is just over a week away, guys. On August 18th at 12 p.m., the Canton Cultural Center in Canton, Ohio. Dennis will be there representing the podcast along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the Dynasty Nerds, Fantasy Footballers, Rotoviz, Blast Ball, Back Row Fantasy Show. Going to be an awesome time. You guys will get a chance to meet and greet some of your favorite favorite analysts and podcasters in person. They will be doing live podcasts, live mock drafts, giving live free strategy advice. You can meet these people and talk about your teams. It'll be an awesome event. If you have time and you're going to be in the area, definitely check it out. You can get tickets at MidwestFantasyExpo.com. If you use our promo code Knights, K-N-I-G-H, you guys will get $5 off your ticket. Tickets are currently $20, so you only have to pay $15. And on top of that, everybody who enters gets a free swag bag worth up to at least, if not more, $100. That's right, $100. So you're going to be getting your money four, times four, quadrupled, whatever, tenfold. I'm, I was told there was going to be no math, and I'm going to be honest, guys, I'm horrible at math. But you guys will get a ton of free swag. We will have some stuff in there for our shop that just opened, the Fantasy Football Roundtable. You can buy all kinds of sweet gear with our logo on it. We have a new logo we are in the working or working on right now, in the making technically, that will be up on the site soon too. And you guys will get, I believe it's 15% off. Uh, it's off the top of the website. All that stuff will be in the swag bag as well. So definitely get ready to check that stuff out. Without further ado, there's no reason to prolong this any longer. Let's get Dennis on here so we can start talking about some breaking news and then our top 24 tight ends. Hello! What's going on, Dennis? How you doing today? Man, I am so stoked that it's Friday. Oh, wait, <laughs> it's not Friday. All right, so that's why we're late because I forgot what damn day it was and I didn't leave work. Okay, 
So and I'm doing great other than forgetting what day it is. I'm, I've actually had a pretty good day and I took an extra day off tomorrow and we're taking the boat out. So I'm stoked for the weekend. We got some football tonight. I, you know what? It could not be a better damn day right now. I was about to say, it technically is Friday for you then if you're off tomorrow, so I can understand why you would be confused. I would be confused too, and, and, and I'm right there with you. It's going to – I can't wait. I was just talking about in the intro how I'm excited to see Kyler Murray play tonight. See, I know he's probably only going to get like a, a series or so, but I, I'm. it's just going to be so much fun to see the football's back. I wish I could watch the Browns game, but they're not going to be on TV, or at least I don't have NFL Game Pass, so I can't watch it. But I'll definitely be watching the Giants and the Jets, and then when the Cardinals-Chargers comes on, I'll be watching that for a little bit. And I can't wait, man. Week three needs to get here so that I can kind of see the starters in action and really kind of get the blood pumping. But it is definitely nice to finally have football back in our lives and the real thing going on. Yep. It's going to be exciting. It is. All right, so not much news today, but there's a couple things we're going to touch on, so let's go ahead and jump into our breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Alright, so for starters, the trade finally went down for the Browns. I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed. I was I was a, away from social media most of the day today, so when I saw everything blowing up on Twitter and in the group me chats that we are in, I was kind of surprised. The Browns have finally traded Duke Johnson. He is going to a team that is very RB needy, especially after cutting Dante Foreman just earlier this week or last week in the Houston Texans, and they gave up a fourth-round draft pick that could turn into a third-round draft pick if Johnson is active for 10 games. That is huge. Before we get into the fantasy implications, I have to, I mean, we are not worthy of John Dorsey. I don't know what Jim Haslam, Jimmy Haslam, D. Haslam did right in a past life to be able to get Dorsey over here to the Browns, but my goodness, he has turned this team around. The fact that he was able to get a third rounder for Duke Johnson I think is insane because everybody knows and knew that he wanted to get out of Cleveland. Now, he is definitely, at least in my opinion, worthy of that talent or worthy of that pick with his talent. But the fact that they got a third rounder was was pretty shocking to me uh, personally. I think it's a great fit for him. It's going to be very interesting to see how they use him in Houston and in that offense. So that's where I'm going to come to you, Dennis, and your thoughts on the trade and your thoughts on him for fantasy now and how it might affect Lamar Miller. Well, I think Lamar Miller is going to keep Lamar Millering at least this year. He's going to get four yards of carry. He's going to catch a couple passes, but mostly he's going to be the earlier down back he will get he'll push for his thousand yards from scrimmage like he's done every year for the past four or five years Um, the Texans they had a thousand and forty plays last year that they ran which was what seventh in the NFL so a thousand and forty plays 506 passing attempts so they're just about 50 50 well, with Duke Johnson, uh, as your running back, you know he hasn't shown to be a great runner of the ball, but he's an exceptional pass catcher. He's, you know, Naheem Hines is Duke Johnson light, and and we all saw what Naheem Hines did last year. So for yeah. me, I feel like both are going to be flex viable running backs. Um, You know, you may have the occasional game where they get up and so they're grinding it out with Lamar Miller or they get behind and they're pass heavy with Duke Johnson. But it will be a situation. It's like a boomer bust. It's like having Deshaun Jackson on your team. Occasionally that's going to happen, but you'll usually be able. The defense in Houston is good enough that they're probably not going to get blown out very f- frequently. So it, if you're going to hedge your bets, it may be Duke is where you hedge your bets. Now, the Texans uh, can get out of, you know, Lamar is a free agent after this year. So it wouldn't surprise me a bit if Lamar is gone after this year. But 
if Duke comes in and, you know, Demarie Crockett or Karan Higdon, um, if they perform well, you know, you never know. It might be the end of the road for Lamar Miller in Houston. He only carries a, a $1 million dead cap hit. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think that's probably the more likely scenario. I have been one of those people who has kind of poo-pooed Lamar Miller in the past. Uh, He's very consistent, as you said when you kind of opened up there. Lamar Miller is going to keep Lamar Millering, and and he is very consistent. He's consistently throughout his career been like right in the middle to the top of an RB2 every season, And, and I don't we saw a little bit of that come off the wheels last year. He started to fade a little bit. I think that's why the Texans made this trade. I think it's a great landing spot for Duke somewhat. I agree with what you're saying. I think everybody would agree with the with the fact that he is not that great of a runner, but he can be dynamic in the receiving game. That is where he really kind of shined for the Browns. I just don't know how much Deshaun Watson is going to check down to him. I think it's a great spot for him in the fact that their offensive line is so bad and giving Watson a great guy to check down too. I just don't know how much he's going to do it. If I had to pick one of the two right now, I'd probably be rostering Johnson over Miller. I think he probably has the higher the higher upside and the safer floor at the moment over Miller, but I, I don't know exactly how he's going to fit into that offense. So it does scare me a little bit. However, as I talked about at the beginning, they paid a t- what's going to likely be a third round pick for him. So that's pretty high capital, especially for, well, I mean, I don't want to say for a team that's competing because that's exactly why they did it. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, but that's still a fairly good pick to give up for that guy. Uh, He is on a decent contract as well. The Browns did sign him last year, so they'll own him for a couple years. So I think it is can be a good spot for Duke. I I need to see exactly how they're going to use him first. And if I had to choose one of the two, I would take him over Miller. Before we move on from, from this... Dontrell Hilliard, if you own Nick Chubb and you are in a dynasty league where your waivers are open, I would try and grab him now. I mean, he may have already been picked up since this news did break. I would, I think it was like five or six hours ago. Pick him up. I think he's going to be the guy that backs up Nick Chubb until Kareem Hunt comes back and, and will possibly still be in the mix next year if Kareem Hunt ends up getting traded. Like, I still think that he will eventually, that will eventually happen to him. I could be wrong. Uh, The Browns could end up paying Hunt, which would be insane to see those two in the backfield. But if they end up moving on from Hunt, or at least for the first eight games this year, I think Hilliard is going to be the backup. He's a fairly decent receiver as well. Uh, The reports are coming out that he, what he has shown in camp is part of the reason why they were so willing to move on from Johnson now at this point, uh, because Hilliard has kind of stepped up and shown that he can take over in that role. Well, and, you know, sort of reflecting back on your talk about checking down to Duke, so Duke has shown, though, that he's not just a check-down receiver. Duke is a good route runner. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and both Will Fuller and Kiki QT have shown, you know, they're not the healthiest of players. So they both have a lot to prove. And so not that Duke is going to line up as a wide receiver, but he could fill in in the slot more than you might expect. You know, they can bring somebody else, Vincent Smith, on the outside, uh, you know, he was just written up in the, the Down and Dynasty deep stashes uh, that was released on Dynasty Nerds. So that they have some other options there. And so if Duke is able to, you know, I think Lamar, is, when Lamar is in, that's when you get checkdowns. When Duke is in, he's going to be running pass patterns and he's going to be out, out, uh, out running patterns, whether it's from the slot or out of the backfield. As far as Dontrell Hilliard goes, it's nice that he seems to be showing out. But Dorsey also likes veterans, and so I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see, at, you know, week two, week three, when a, vet- a, a veteran bat gets released, that they land in Cleveland and they back up uh, Chubb for the first eight weeks as well. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if they want to. I mean, they've got the cap room, so I, I'd imagine it wouldn't be that much of a hit if they did do that. I, like I said, I just saw a bunch of reports of – talking up Hilliard and how good he's looked, and that was part of the reason why they were willing to move on from Duke. So if if that's the case, I would, like I said, I'd snag him now. If they end up picking up a veteran, I mean, he's a guy you can easily cut. It's not going to hurt your your dynasty roster any, but right now it looks like he's going to be the guy uh, behind uh, Chubb. I was going to say Hunt. Behind Chubb, uh, at least until Hunt comes back. And, And while... 
Nick Chubb hasn't shown any propensity to injury in the NFL. We do know that he suffered a pretty gruesome injury in college. If he goes down at any point, you, you want to have at least some kind of backup for him. Not that Hilliard's going to come in and, and be Nick Chubb, but at least having that guy will be nice, especially in a Cleveland offense that is expected to be very explosive. The last bit of news, we did touch on this a little bit on Monday, but more... More news has come out about it, and that's about Antonio Brown and his feet. So there's been two different reports that have come out. I'm just going to give you guys both of them. Um, I don't really know exactly where to go from here except for to just keep watching this because it's going to be a very interesting story, especially for the Raiders. And then, obviously, Dennis, if you have anything you want to add, feel free. So there was a report earlier today that the the Olympic sprinter for the United States of America, Justin Gatlin, had this this almost... same that's not even a word Matt had almost this same injury um, a couple years ago he was working in Tampa Bay and so what you're told is when you get into these hyperbolic chambers you have to be almost completely dry you have to wipe yourself down and make sure that you don't have any humidity or any kind of sweat on you because again you're getting in there and it's I mean, it's like negative something degrees. I don't know exactly. They were talking about like negative 200 Celsius or something like that. I don't know. I'm not good with temperatures and or math. So I don't know how cold that is, but I would assume it's extremely cold if you're able to get frostbite. He went in there with his socks on that he had on earlier in the day that were still wet with sweat. He ended up freezing the socks to his feet and having the same kind of... uh, same kind of injury to his feet, pretty much. He had the same frostbite on his feet, and it's, he said it took him over two months to heal. Now, uh, Sal Palantonio of ESPN then came out later that morning and said that he talked to a very high-noted podiatrist who said that it's likely a three- to four-week injury, that from the picture that he saw, he has not seen Antonio Brown. He's basing this completely off the picture that was posted, is that it looks like the feet are already beginning to heal, and that they have to continue to scrape off the dead skin and make sure that the skin heals without any kind of infection. If that happens, he should be ready to go in three to four weeks, which would put him available oh, the week before the season opens. So he would technically get a week in with training camp uh, and Derek Carr and that whole offense and then be out there. So if you are an AB fan, obviously, or an AB owner, you are hoping for Story 2 to be more realistic and hopeful with what Sal Palantonio said. However, I still think that's going to hurt him the beginning of the year because we are not talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger here. He's known that offense. It's the only offense he's been in. While he's been in camp at times right now, apparently he has not been with Oakland at all. So he's kind of away from them. So he's still not, I'm sure he's still studying the playbook wherever he's at, but he's not getting that, he's not building that relationship and that chemistry with Derek Carr right now. So I could see this hurting him at the beginning of the season. Dennis, do you have any thoughts on on the new news with AB? You know, it's like we mentioned on Monday, frostbite is not a joke. And if you get nerve damage, you know, if he ends up losing a toe, it, it, it can really affect your balance. And I hope it works out. It's definitely going to put him behind the eight ball when it comes to developing chemistry with Derek Carr. Um, it, it's, it's just a tough spot to be in if you're the Raiders to have paid, paid what they did to get him. And then he, you know, injures himself. Be doing something that that could be prevented. It was so easy to have been prevented. All you have to do is just wear fresh, dry socks. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if the socks thing was what happened to AB. That that did happen at Justin Gatlin. But I will point out, you are right about that. So I, I've been doing a lot of research into this the past couple days, just trying to figure that out. And so whenever you go into one of these hyperbolic chambers, there is someone who's supposed to be there with you. So it was either the person that was there with AB not informing him of wearing the correct footwear, or he just didn't do it. So it was either his fault, which I would not be surprised about, or whomever he went there. And this happened in France. Apparently this happened a while ago. The Raiders have known about this for a while. So the fact that you did, it's not like this is new either. I looked and people have been doing this up to over eight years ago. So it's not like this is just some new trend that just happened a couple months ago and they're still trying to figure this out. It's been going on for eight years. So I, 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 I'm i kind of dumbfounded that this actually happened and, and, and not 
in all honesty, the least surprise that it happened to AB as well. The, the fact the way that he kind of lives his life and that he did this, it, it's I, I think it's kind of a bad omen for him and the Raiders to start off this way, but we will see what happens. You know, it's like my, my wife has a saying. You'll, you'll pro- your wife probably has the same saying. Boys Happy are wife, stupid. Life? Oh, yeah, no. My <laughs> wife doesn't say it as politely as your wife does, so I'll, I'll, I'll give her that, but yeah. <laughs> yes, my wife will say the same thing about me all the time. You get her, you get a, you get, I mean, I wouldn't even say a couple of drinks. And actually, you could probably just give her a water and she'll spout off the how how uh, how highly she thinks of me, so... But we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, that that pretty much ends it for our breaking news. Like I said, not much. Obviously, uh, touched on the Open. Dennis touched on. We'll remind you guys one more time. It is week one of the preseason. It's here. We've got 11 games tonight, four games tomorrow, or four games, two games tomorrow, and then a, uh, two games on Saturday, I believe, is what it is. So it'll be a fun weekend of NFL football. It is back, and today wraps up our top 24 series. We will be doing the tight ends today. And we're going to kick it off right now. Next snap after we check in in Santa Clara. Ball back to drop it, finally rolled. Mullins looking to throw. There's Kittle wide open. So there you go. You just heard that intro. That is our, that's my little tight end intro. And I, me and Dennis, uh, while that was playing, just talked. And we decided we're only going to do top 12. So I lied to you guys. We're not doing 24. Uh, we will do our top 12 tight ends. Again, uh, as something we have both mentioned many times on this podcast, uh, tight end can be somewhat of a wasteland. I, I do think that there's probably 13 or 14 guys that I'd be willing to play, but top 12 is, is I feel like, kind of separated themselves. Everybody after that is kind of a dart throw. So we will be doing our top 12, and we will kick it off with you, Dennis, as we have been this entire series. Give us your number 12 tight end for 2019. Well, at number 12 uh, is my only rookie to make the top 12. Uh, despite the uh, – off-season dynasty rookie hype. We're not talking about dynasty. We're talking about the 12 tight ends we think are going to score the most points in the 2019 season. And so for me, I'm going with TJ Hawkinson at number 12. All right. Uh, uh, you know, he's going to be he's he's uh, he's the starter there. Um you know, there was a report on Roto World the other day that uh, one of the beat reporters, and I wish I remembered which one it was, said, uh, you know, TJ Hawkinson is a fixture with the first team. You know, we, we know he's a great blocker. We've seen him be, be an excellent receiver. He's going to be out there. They're going to probably run more this year. Everybody expects the Lions to run more. They've got a great running game with Carrion Johnson, uh, backed up by C.J. Anderson. Kenny Galladay's the alpha dog in the wide receiver game. And Marvin Jones ain't no joke. And then they've got Ambulance Dola and Jermaine Curse in the slot. So Hawkinson is going to be in that 3, 4, 5 range in the target totem pole. In an offense, that's going to probably be in the bottom half of the NFL in passing. But he'll get some opportunities in the red zone. And so I like Hawkinson uh, coming in at number 12. 
All right, so before I give you my 12, I do want to give you guys just really quick a couple guys that, that just missed, and Hawkinson was one of them. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my 12 really quick, although it might give a couple of the guys away. Uh, there's two guys really I want to talk about that you guys need to watch. Um, and as I've talked about many times with this, we'll definitely do this again as the season gets closer, see if any of this has really changed for either one of us. But for me... Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert are both guys that could easily finish in the top 12 if they stay healthy. Eifert uh, obviously is likely going to be the lead tight end again in Cincinnati. They did re-sign him, and Jordan Reed has come into camp now. Granted, I know we've heard this what it feels like the past decade. Obviously, I know, I'm kidding with that, but he has come in fully healthy and expects to hopefully stay healthy the entire season. So those are two guys to watch for. They did not finish in my top 12, uh, but I do think they both have the ability to, as we've seen them do it in the past. Health is the only question. Uh, and then Hawkinson actually was 13 for me, so he just missed making my top 12. Uh, so number 12 for me is a guy that I don't think a lot of people are going to be expecting. In fact, I know they're not. And that's Delaney Walker. He is an ADP based on the FFWC at 148. I think a lot of people have forgotten how good Delaney Walker is. I know he had a horrible injury last season. And he's not necessarily come back fully healthy, but he is saying that he expects to be ready by week one. If Walker is back, I don't care if it's Mariota at quarterback or Tannehill. He is the perfect checkdown weapon. He is a dynamic tight end. We don't even know when John New Smith is going to come back. Even if he does, he has not proven that he can do anything. They do have Anthony Ferkser, who has shown at times that he can be somewhat of a dynamic playmaker. But give me Delaney Walker all day long, especially when you can get him as late as that, as 148. A guy who has consistently, when healthy, been a top 12 tight end. Will be back, likely probably his last season. I think he wants to go out on a high note. So if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a rock-solid season in 2019. Who do you have at 11? Yeah, I, I like the Walker pick. Uh, you know, I, I do have some concerns about him coming back at, what, 35 years old, 34 yeah. years old from injury. Um, and then the offense being in the bottom half uh, in passing, maybe the bottom quarter in passing with two not so great quarterbacks. So that's why Walker didn't make my uh, top 12. Um, Eifert didn't make it either. Uh, I, I'm uh, I, I'm hopeful for Eifert. He's shown to be really great in the red zone when he's healthy uh, and, and a very good pass catcher. I, I don't, you know, it's interesting that you have Reed and Eifert there together because I, I believe in Reed this year. Mm-hmm. I, well, I believe Reed will be healthy enough versus Eifert having to show me he's going to be healthy enough. Uh, it's probably not a rational thought. No, but I mean. that's how I feel. I, I, before you give me your 11, I, I can I understand that because while Jordan Reed has been hurt probably just as often as Tyler Eifert, when Eifert's gotten hurt, he's been out for entire seasons. Where Reed has been, it's been games that he's missed. He's not really sat out an entire season. He's played a little bit here and there and then get hurt. So he, he shows you that promise for a couple games, then gets hurt, misses a couple games, comes back, same thing over and over again where it seems like Eifert the you know he'll give you a game or two here and there or he just misses the entire season or when he gets hurt after a couple games he's out for the entire season so I get you and then that is why I put them both right there because we have seen from them both though that they can be dynamic weapons but that injury question is a huge deal like that's not something you can overlook with those two guys where I thought in a way you can kind of overlook that with Walker because this has really been the first time he's suffered a major injury like that so like I said it, I he is a little bit of a long shot. I'll give you that because he is, as you just had noted, he's 35 in a bad offense. Though I would say he's been in a bad offense most of his career. But again, when you can get him is at 141. I mean that, or sorry, 148. That that could be a top 12 tight end that you can practically steal in the draft. There's only one guy based on the uh, the FFWC ADPs that's going lower than him, that's higher than him in my top 12, and there's a reason why he's going lower, and I know he's on your list too, so we'll get to him and talk about that when we get to, to that player. But that that's, a, that's another reason why I kind of threw him in my top 12. So who do you have at 11? At 11, I have Jordan Reed. Oh, okay. Like I All said, right. I, I believe Reed is going to be healthy enough to – score enough points 
I think that whether it's Keenum or Haskins, Reed is the reliable pass catcher right now in Washington. And he is going to be the guy that they're going to look for when that offensive line is as improving as it is that I, I think they're going to, I don't think Trent Williams is going back. I think he's digging in his heels and he's, he's saying, look, you guys screwed me on this injury and I don't trust you. And if I don't trust you, I can't play for you. And if, if you can't see fit to do the right thing and move me, then I'm just going to go home. I've made, made some money. I'm going to go home and hang out until my, till my time expires or you realize I'm really not playing. So if they, if they need to get themselves a new left tackle, then that's going to, you know, depending on who they get, it's, there's not a lot of options out there. Yeah. You can't, you, you don't, you know, left tackle isn't a, you know, sign somebody off the street and keep my quarterback clean kind of position. So, uh, I like Reed to score uh, he's gonna get. He's gonna get. Uh, you, you know, I don't want to say he'll push for his career high because he's had a couple really nice seasons. But I think Reed, if he stays healthy all season, he's gonna put up some points. He's gonna catch a lot of passes, and he he's still a pretty dynamic athlete. Yeah. So I have Jordan Reed at number eleven. All right, so for me at 11, I have uh, Mr. David Njoku. You heard him there, uh, a touchdown by him there in the open. Uh, I think Njoku is in for a good year. Obviously, a, a little step down from what he did last year. So he finished at number 9 last year with 134 points. Did only play in 14 games. Um, really, the only reason I have him taken a step back is I do think he will lose some targets to, obviously, the myriad of weapons they have there, whether it's Chubb. When Hunt comes back, you have Higgins, Callaway, Landry, Beckham. I know it's going to be interesting because we obviously talked about this with the with the Fantasy Football Under guys on a podcast when we did the, the Browns preview. Everybody is talking about it, and... Everybody's given different uh, opinions on who they think is going to take the step back because there's just so many mouths to feed. Uh, you know, you have some people saying that for me, I think it's going to be Jarvis Landry. Other people, I think you have said that you think it's going to be David Njoku because he's in the same area as Jarvis Landry. And then everybody gives their points. Well, this guy's going to have this person on murder. You know, Njoku might have a linebacker on him most of the time. We're going to have to wait and see. Regardless, I think Njoku has a shot to be a very good tight end. Again, top 12 in, in an extremely weak position. It's still a big deal. I do think a lot of his points are going to come from the red zone. I think he's going to be almost, um, you know, getting most of his points from touchdowns. Uh, he is being drafted at 108 right now. That is his ADP. So, you're, you're not necessarily having to pay a premium for him like you are some of the other guys here in the top 12, so that's another reason why I, I kind of narrowed him down as a guy that I like because most of the guys in the top, again, there's two guys that are both about to be coming up here, or sorry, three more guys coming up here that are all in the hundreds. One of those guys I'm sure you don't have on your list, um, but they're all in the hundreds. Everybody else you're going to have to pay somewhat of a premium to get, so those are the kind of guys that I target in my drafts in the Njokus and Walkers of the world because you can get them late, and I'd rather take those premium wide receivers and running backs if I can. So who do you have at number 10? At number 10, I have Njoku. All right. I'm starting to warm up to his uh, possibilities this season. I like it. I like it. Tell me why. Well, you know, I, he's definitely a, a red zone threat. A, as good a red zone guy as OBJ is, he's still only, what, 5'11", 6 foot? Yeah. And Joku's 6'4". He's, he's going to be the big target in the red zone. But even on top of that, I believe that the Browns, now that they've traded away Duke, they're going to run a bunch of 11 personnel and 12 personnel. And so Njoku's, he's going to be on the field all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like when we talk about Hawkinson uh, or some of these other tight ends. It's, you know, you can't make plays when you're on the sideline. And so if he's out there, he's, he's a willing blocker, and he's an improving blocker. Mm-hmm. So he'll be out there on the field t- to make plays. He's a great athlete. Yes, his hands are a little suspect at times. But Baker is going to put throw the ball 
where it's easiest for him to catch. And if you've got OBJ and Callaway and uh, Landry on the outside pulling everything downfield, you're going to give this six foot four, 265 pound freak athlete with four, five, five, four, six speed uh, plenty of room to operate. And, yeah. and Baker's going to make some plays with him. And so as, as we kind of move through this offseason, I'm starting to warm up to Njoku more and more. Hey, I like it. I, I've been, I know that you are a fan of Landry moving back into the slot, but that is, again, that's part of the reason why I'm not as high on Landry as a lot of people are because I do think the, the one thing with Njoku, that I, everything you said is correct. And the one thing I want to add on to that is when he entered the league, he was extremely raw. The Browns took him where they did because of his talent and his upside and his just raw athleticism. He is only 23 years old. He is extremely young. He has been learning the NFL position. Again, a lot of people, we, we've seen it very rarely. We had with when Bob Lung was on with us talking about the consistency guy, he talked about how rare it is for tight ends to break out in their first year, sometimes even their second year. We've rarely seen it over the past couple years. Evan Ingram's one of them. Uh, there's another guy who I know is on both of our list, and Chris Herndon, who didn't necessarily break out but had a very good rookie season. It takes most tight ends two to three years, just like a running back, or sorry, not a running back, a wide receiver. This is it. This is Njoku's third year, and I think that he is in line for a huge year. I wish I had the balls to rank him higher, but I just I felt like that was the perfect spot. There's only really two guys on my list uh, that I would rank him higher than, and I'll let you guys know when I get to those people. And one of these people I think is going to be kind of a long shot. I'm actually interested to see if you have him on your list. All right, so who do you have at – oh, wait, that was your number 10, right? I'm, I'm gonna, I was yep. about to skip my 10 completely. All right, so for my 10, I have Chris Herndon, who I imagine you have on your list probably somewhere higher. Herndon had a, a decent, again, rookie year last year, uh, finished 15th at the tight end position with 114 points in 13 games. Uh, this is the guy that I was talking about getting drafted extremely low out of my top 12. He is being drafted with an ADP of 173. Now, a lot of that is because of his suspension. It is four games, correct? That, uh, it is four games. Four yes. games, okay. So that I, I thought so. I couldn't remember if they if he had reduced it to two or not. So it's four games. That is the main reason why I have left him here at ten. I do think that he has an extremely good opportunity to outproduce that and be higher than ten at tight end. But the fact that he's going to miss ten games compared to most of these other guys on this list is the only reason I've dropped him this low. But I think. Regardless of what happens this year, I think he's going to shoot up this board and he'll be much higher next year. But the four-game suspension, if you're in a redraft league, this is the only reason I've kept him as low as I have. And again, you can get him at a stolen price now of 173 So he's a guy you could literally take toward the end of your drafts now and, and just be a guy you stash. Uh, I know we've talked about it before. Depending on how your league is going, if you think he might even end up a free agent, let him go. Don't even draft him and then try and pick him up in like week two off the waiver wires and uh, drop someone you don't need anymore kind of deal. Uh, but that's the only reason I have him ranked that low. It is not based on talent. It is just based on the suspension. Who do you have at nine? Well, Herndon didn't make my top 12 oh. as much as it pains me. Really? Okay, that is interesting. So I honestly, I feel like he's gonna take us. He's he's gonna miss four games, and then that offense. They've got a new head coach, a young quarterback. They've got Le'Veon Bell, who's gonna be crying for the ball all the time. That their receiving core is. They've got a couple guys that are emerging, and and I feel like the four weeks away is going to put a damper on that some. Okay. I think he's going to be fine long-term. He's definitely a buy for me from uh, a dynasty standpoint. But I just couldn't, you, you know, when I looked at the the top 12, I, I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't feel like he was going to be able to overtake some of these guys. You know, if Reed misses four games this year, I think Reed outscores Herndon. Okay, interesting. So that's just... That's just sort of where I felt. You know, Hawkinson, I, I feel like Hawkinson has shown himself to be durable. And while he may not get as many opportunities um, as Herndon would over a 16-game season, 
I think he's going to get enough opportunities to finish ahead of him. So, uh, you know, I love Herndon. I, you know, he's he's one of my guys, but uh, he just didn't make my list. All so right. at number well, nine, though, at number nine, I'm going with uh, Austin Hooper, part-time beekeeper, part-time uh, tight end. And for those of you who don't know that, that is a, that's a reference back to to our good friends over at the Back Row Fantasy Show and their their constant making funds of Austin Hooper. But continue on your analysis of Mr. Hooper. So Hooper is in a situation where he's going to be really for him. He is him and Mohamed Sanu are kind of tied for that number three on the totem pole. Him, Sanu, and whether it's Ido Smith or Devonta Freeman, you know, those guys are all going to kind of be in that mix there. But I, but the, the Falcons are going to be a pretty high-volume passing team. And so Hooper, who's been getting better and better each year, is ready to take that next step. He's a solid contributor. Again, he's a three-down tight end. He's there. He's in there to block. He's in there to catch. And he's shown that uh, when given a chance to make plays, he's going to make plays. You know, he'll go 60, 70 yards. Uh, if you give him the chance, you, you've got to bring him down. He, he's, uh, he, he hasn't shown a tendency to be injured. So you know he's going to be out there. He's going to bring his lunch pail to work. He's going to do the things he needs to do. And then he's going to be there to catch those passes from Matt Ryan in a high-volume offense. All right. Well, Hooper did not make my top 12. I thought about it, but I just I, I couldn't get him in there. Uh, this is one of the guys that I'm pretty sure you also I would I would think don't have in your top 10 and that's and that's in all honesty your favorite player, Eric Ebron. I've got him at 9. Who? Eric Ebron, you haven't heard of him? He's possibly the greatest tight end to ever play. He had like a short stint there in Detroit that he was kind of a nobody, but he just burst on the scene last year. Yeah. So he finished, obviously had a phenomenal year last year. Some of that came into Jack Doyle being injured. Um, he finishes number four last year with 206 points. Jets just scored a touchdown, by the way, in case you guys were wondering. Uh, right now, he is being drafted as 103. I'm not sure I want to pay that premium for him because I do think Jack Doyle is going to also be a fixture in this offense. But the one thing I'm going to say about Ebron, and I know a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing him because they have Funchess there now, obviously Jack Doyle coming back, and they're like, well, they've got these bigger weapons, more explosive weapons. One of the things that's made T.Y. Hilton as successful as he is is because Andrew Luck trusts him and will go to him early and often. I do think that Ebron has built in that trust with Luck with the year that he had last year. I don't expect him to score as many touchdowns as he did last year, but I do think he will be one of Luck's first go-to weapons in the red zone and get some touchdowns. That's why I have him dropping from 4 to 9, but I still think he finishes inside that top 10. Who do you have at number 8? Number 8, I got my guy Vance McDonald. God, man, where our rankings are all over the place. So I, I, don't, have, I don't have McDonald. Is Vance, yeah, I don't know why I was getting confused with McDonald there. I don't even have Vance McDonald in my top 12 either, so tell me why you have him up here at number 9. You know, he's a... A playmaking tight end on a pass passing offense. Uh, you know he's going to be out there on the field. I think he showed last year that uh, go, he's going what into his fifth or sixth year now. Yeah. The consistency issues have been just slowly, season after season, working themselves out, and part of the consistency issues have been health. And so as he gets a little more mature, and his body gets a little more mature. He isn't getting injured as frequently. And so, you know, I, I like McDonald to be he's he's going to be in line for a pretty uh, a pretty nice target volume. You know, it's Juju and then AYO, you know, all you others. So it, any any after Juju, any one person on that team could be second in targets. Mm -hmm. Vance has just as good a shot as Moncrief or Washington or Johnson or Samuels. So I, I like Vance to, to rake in some targets. All right. And by the way, while, we, while I was rapping Repsotic there about of uh, about Chris Herndon, he didn't get a catch for 32 yards. So, just, you know, 
He, he, he's a beast. I will give you that. You, you did make that call very early on last year. At number eight for me, I have O.J. Howard being drafted at an ADP of 68. Not bad, I guess. I'm not one of those people who is high on Howard. We talked about this uh, on the last episode there when I was talking about where I had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. They have a lot of weapons that I think are all going to kind of cannibalize each other. Again, Howard uh, finishes tight end three, or sorry, three thirteen last year with 119 points. Again, only played in 13 games. I don't think Cameron Braid is going to eat into his workload as much as he has the past two seasons. I do think O.J. Howard is finally going to be the guy there in Tampa Bay. But it goes back to what I talked about on Monday's episode, and I just don't necessarily trust Jameis Winston as much. So that's why I have uh, Howard down here. I, I could. This is the one guy that I'm. I could be dead, dead wrong on because that defense, while I, I don't think is going to be very good, which likely means they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, which means O.J. Howard could put up just buku points. And and I'll admit now that I could be wrong on him. I just don't think so. I think it's going to be more Evans and Godwin. That's why I had those two ranked as high as I did. But Howard, again, at tight end, a weak position. I got him, again, being drafted at 68 as well, so you have to pay a pretty decent premium to get him. One of the He's actually the fourth highest tight end being drafted after Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle. So pay up for him if you want him. I have him at eight. There's a couple other guys I'd rather take that are all being drafted after him, uh, and I have them all ranked ahead of him. So who do you have at number seven? At seven, I got my guy Mark Andrews. Oh, Dude. He goes it it goes against the general philosophy in my rankings Dang. which is high volume passing offenses. So let me let so, me say one thing really quick before you give your analysis on him. Dead serious that's who I have at number 7. I did not think you'd have him that high. So I'm I'm actually really excited about that. I I wasn't even sure if you were going to have him in your top 12, so we both have him at 7. I'm just going to let you give the full breakdown of him. I just want to say this is another guy. His ADP right now is at 137, and me and Dennis both have him ranked at 7. So another guy you can steal extremely late in drafts, a guy to definitely target at the end of your drafts who could be, obviously, me and Dennis both think a top-tier tight end. Give the breakdown on why you think he's going to finish this high, Dennis. Well, you can't steal him late in the draft if I'm in your league. <laughs> um. For me, it comes down to expected volume. He's the number one receiver on the Ravens. It, it isn't Marquise Brown. It's not Willie Sneed. It, it's not Justice Hill. It's it's not Kenneth Dixon. Uh, it's Mark Andrews. Him and Lamar Miller have an exceptional connection. Lamar Jackson? Yeah, him too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all that trade, trade oh, talk today. I got you. So... You know, Andrews, he's a he's a great route runner. He's a former wide receiver, and he's big. He he's gonna make plays. He gets he knows how to get open. He's played with a wild card quarterback in Baker Mayfield, so he knows what to do when that quarterback gets to moving. And no quarterback moves more than Lamar Miller or Lamar Jackson. Now, granted, Jackson often isn't looking down the field when he starts moving, but I think they're gonna kind of run that offense to be able to put Jackson in a position to make some throws. And Andrews is, is just a really good, I, I actually moved him around higher than this and, and had, I kind of settled, settled and moved him back to seven. Uh, it wouldn't surprise. I, I could see him finishing up to top two or three. Wow. At, if he gets on a roll, if Jackson makes an improvement in his passing, mm-hmm. I could see Andrews getting 130, 140 targets. Yeah, I mean, I had him, I'll be honest, I had him at five at first, and then I only reason I moved him down is because I just really believe in these next three tight ends that I have. Well, one of them is questionable for me, and it's the next guy at six. But yeah, I had him at five, and then I was like, ah, I mean, these guys have at least shown just a little bit more that I'm going to move him down. But I, I'm as to give my lazy analysis and my my spot on phrase as everybody puts it on. I'm right there with you. I'm right. I'm right there with you. I agree with everything That's, you're there's saying. There's nothing lazy about agreeing <laughs> with me when I'm right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, we're both right on this one. All right. So since that is my seven, and I've got nothing to add, who do you have at six? 
At six. At uh, six, I've got uh, everybody's sweetheart, uh, Hunter Henry. Dude, okay, so do I. So before before you give, I'm going to let you give the full analysis again. He is one of the guys that you're going to have to pay a premium for. His ADP is 73. Obviously coming off an injury-prone season, but in a very good offense. Go ahead and give us the breakdown on why you think he's going to finish at six. Well, Henry has showed before he got injured. He showed that he had a, a a nice connection with Philip Rivers. He fits a specific role for that offense. He's a red zone threat. Uh, he's an outlet. He he's a three down tight end. He's on the field, so you don't have to. You, you can't key on him. Uh, oh, he's in, so it's definitely a pass, or he's in, so it's definitely a run. Um, with uh, Melvin Gordon holding out. That opens up some targets. Gordon had a, a, a lot of targets last year. And even though Eckler in his place will get a good amount of targets, uh, they lost Tyrell Williams. Mike Williams is going to step up into that next level. Uh, I believe in Mike Williams. But the number three target is going to be uh, Hunter Henry. I think he's going to – That's Phillip Rivers has been a consistent – you know, low end QB one for most of his career. And you, he's, it's not because he scores a bunch of running touchdowns. It's because he passes the ball and rivers is still an excellent passer. He commands that offense. He knows that offense inside and out. And Henry is going to be the beneficiary of that offense. So hopefully our last, you know, seven guys don't all match up here. I imagine one of these guys can't because I don't – well, he might because I, I really honestly don't know how you feel about him. But who do you have at number five? Uh, at number five, I have uh, O.J. Howard. Okay. I like the Buccaneers to be a volume offense. Uh, and I don't think that Evans and Godwin are both going to get 175 targets. So – while there's a chemistry between Brait and Winston in the red zone, O.J. Howard is just such a dynamic player from the tight end position. And, and, and the Buccaneers, they don't have a running game. They're not going to be a balanced team. Their offense is terrible, so they're going to be throwing the ball, and O.J. Howard is going to benefit from that. All right, so for me at five, I have Evan Ingram. Had a, a okay season last year, finishes tight end 16 with 105 points in only 10 games. We saw in his rookie year what he could do with Eli Manning when he is his best receiving option. And I do think at least for the first four games, that's going to be the case. And when Golden Tate comes back, I think that he's honestly going to be the second best option all season at least for a while until Sterling Shepard's thumb fully heals. Uh, I've had a broken thumb before. Now, granted, I am not an NFL athlete, but that shit hurts. And him trying to catch a ball, I know that, you know, Eli Manning's not zipping it in there like Mahomes, Rodgers, Baker, any of those guys who have guns, but it's still going to hurt trying to catch that ball. So I think Eli Manning is going to rely on Evan Ingram. Uh, and I've just, I think he's going to have a great year. He's going to bounce back. He's got to stay healthy. We saw that obviously affect his season last year. I don't think he was ever fully healthy last year, which is why he looked as bad as he did at times. So I have him bouncing back and finishing up in the top five. Who do you have at number four? At four, I have the aforementioned Evan Ingram. Interesting. I, so that means you don't. Uh, that's interesting. I, you, there's no way you have my number four guy. In your top three, so it'll be interesting. I need to hear your opinion on him, but give me your thoughts on Ingram really quick. No, Ingram is just in a position where he's going to be, I I think even when Tate comes back, he's going to be option 1A or 1B. He'll, he'll, it's, he provides something that Tate and Shepard don't, which is size. He's fast. He's a four six three guy coming out of college. He's six three and two hundred and fifty pounds. So he 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 just and and he's shown that he can be good on a bad team. So he's going to be competing, you know, after Saquon, who's likely to get two hundred and fifty targets. <laughs> um, 
it's going to come down to Ingram and Tate and Shepard. Well, Tate's out for four games injured. Shepard is battling a broken thumb. And so the chemistry has always been there with, with Eli. So I look for Ingram to have a very productive year. All right, my number four, I might be buying into the move more than many people, but I just love the offense he's going to, and I think he showed enough last year in in the offense that he was in, which was a poor offense, and that is Jared Cook. Uh, He finished as tight end five last year, obviously in Oakland with 187 points, was by far their best receiving option in the second half of that season once Amari Cooper left, and he was targeted a ton. He is not going to get that target share in New Orleans, but I do think he is, in all honesty, the second-best option outside of Michael Thomas. We have seen that the New Orleans offense has struggled at times not having someone else to throw the ball to, especially when Michael Thomas has been double or triple covered, though you can't guard him. That is why he can't guard Mike on Twitter. But eventually they have to go somewhere else. Ted Ginn is a good player, but he is more of a deep threat. I think Jared Cook gives Drew Brees that tight end weapon that he has been searching for since Jimmy Graham left, and I think he is going to ball out this year. Being drafted fairly low as well, so outside of Mark Andrews, who we had just outside the top five, he is actually the cheapest option in the top five with an ADP of 93. So again, um, gosh, I just forgot who we had... uh, who we just had at, at the top spots, but Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard, both those guys going way before him, rounds before him at 73 and 68. So Jared Cook, a guy I have in my top four that you can get at round or in, at round around pick 93. That's a great ADP for me, and especially a tight end that I think is going to be a top-tier tight end, top-four tight end, uh, and have a good year. But I'm assuming you don't have him in your top three because I'd imagine the top three are the top three, correct? The top three are indeed the top three. Okay, so why do you not have Jared Cook in your top 12? So, because he's not that good. Okay. You know, he, he makes, he has some splash games. He, he has two or three games every year where he looks like he's going to be the next George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. And then he has two or three games every year where he looks like he's going to be, you know, gosh, let me go. He looks like he's going to be the next Mercedes Lewis. (laughs) So it's just, yeah, the first off, the Saints aren't going to force him the ball like the Raiders did. They're not going to run the ball as much. I've been saying my – you know, Breeze is my number 22 quarterback because I don't think the Saints are going to be as pass heavy. I think that Latavius Murray is going to play the Mark Ingram role. I, well, I don't think he's as good as Mark Ingram. I definitely think he's serviceable. He's going to get carries. He's going to get some tough yards. Uh, Kamara is still going to be Alvin Kamara, and he's going to get a bunch of targets. He's going to, wouldn't surprise me if he's second on the team in targets behind Mike Thomas. Uh, you know, Ginn is the deep threat. Uh, I mean, I was just looking at their depth chart. Um, Traquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood, Austin Carr in the slot, you know, and then they've got a, a bunch of young guys. And, and I just, I, I don't think, I just don't feel like Cook is that good. So for me, it's, yeah, I'd rather have Eric Ebron. All right, fair enough, and that's a statement in itself right there, taking Ebron over Jared Cook. All right, so I don't feel like there's much much analysis that needs to be given with these top three, but I do want to see if you have them in the same order as me. So who do you have at three? Uh, Zach Ertz. Okay, so that is who I have at three as well. Um, So he's being drafted later than the other two, though not much after who I have at tight end two. Uh, and he has got an ADP of 31. Uh, before we move on to two, do you, I'm assuming that with you having him at three like I do, you don't think that Goddard eats too much into his value this year? Um, I definitely think Goddard takes a step up, but I don't think it is that much of it is going to be at the expense of Ertz. All right, uh, fair enough. I, I think they'll, they'll run a lot of 12 personnel. They've got two playmaking tight ends. 
both are going to get it, it. It wouldn't surprise me if Goddard finished third on the team in targets behind Ertz and Jeffrey. Uh, that is very interesting. Uh, also, just an update uh, for anybody who's not watching the games and whenever you listen to this, Daniel Jones is actually looking fairly decent right now. So, again, I know it's against probably second and third stringers. I can't hear the TV, so I don't know exactly who's playing, but he's actually looking fairly decent for the Giants right now. All right, who do you have at number two? George Kittle. That is who I Mr. have at WWE two as well. WWE himself. Uh, so he is being drafted at the second, obviously a tight end as well, with an ADP of 24. So you are having to take him near the end of the second round, which is a little bit of a ridiculous price for me, which is probably why I'm avoiding him in all of my drafts. The main question around Kittle this year is obviously with the trio in the – well, that's something we actually forgot to discuss in breaking news is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, but with him uh, – uh, assuming he comes back at some point in time this year, you've got those three guys, Pettis, Debo, oh my goodness, who am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting somebody big here. Marquise Goodwin, Jordan uh, Matthews, <laughs> Trent Taylor. Matthews, Trent Taylor. Huh? Maybe it's just Pettis and Samuel I'm thinking of. I was thinking, I was thinking there was another big name. I'm not that concerned about uh, Goodwin. Uh, what um, Do you think Pettis and Samuel being there are going to hurt his target share, Andy? Because I do think that is a big reason why he has been as solid as he has been the past two years. You know, it's tough to tell because Garoppolo hasn't been healthy. Um, this team is really, it's such a work in progress. And George Kittle is the one player that has gone out and put up a dynamic season from beginning to end. Yeah. So when the coaching staff looks at their weapons... They're like, yeah, we think Tevin Coleman can be pretty good. And, you know, Matt Breda was pretty tough, and we think he can be pretty good. And Marquise Goodwin flashed for a few games. And, you know, Dante Pettis has reportedly been inconsistent in practice, but, you know, he's looked pretty good. Debo looked pretty good, but he's been banged up. You know, what do we know? We know that George Kittle is going to go out there, and if we throw him the ball, he's going to catch the ball. He, you know, he's the ultimate warrior of the NFL. He goes out there and he puts on the face paint and he ties them muscles, those bands around the muscles in his arms. He's, you know, he's out there. He's ready to, to flex and play football. He wants to body slam somebody. I don't know. For you kids, you'll have to look up who the ultimate warrior was probably in the WWE. Yeah, but, they probably you know. will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like I said, that and that you heard the the drop of him there at the beginning before we started talking about the tight ends. He had a, an amazing eighty six yard touchdown. That was the that was the play call right there. Uh, and he is he's a phenomenal yak monster as well, which is r- ridiculous to think of when you think of a tight end being that good at, at the yak yards. There, I, I'm. I am interested to see what he does with Jimmy Garoppolo. We haven't seen much of those two together. I don't. I don't think that Jimmy G, G is Jimmy G. My goodness, Jimmy G is going to hurt his value any. Uh, but I am excited and and somewhat nervous to see because I love Kittle. Uh, he is someone I think could end up being the tight end one, especially. With the news that Tyree Kill has not been suspended, uh, so Travis Kelsey is obviously both of our number one tight ends. He is being drafted with an ADP of 16, which is just insane. But he is, in a way, kind of worth it. I really do think outside of those top three, there is a slight drop-off for some of those other guys. So if you pay up and get one of those premium, you know for the most part you're likely going to be winning that position every week. I do think some of the luster has fallen off Travis Kelsey a little bit with the Tyree Kill suspension, not necessarily being overturned, but not playing out. Him not being suspended, I do think, is going to hurt him some. Uh, I know a lot of people were talking about Travis Kelsey being the easy number one at tight end if Tyree Kill was going to be out because that was going to be Mahomes' best weapon. Just want to get your thoughts overall on what you think Travis Kelsey is going to do in 2019. You know, I think Kelsey is going to have another great year he is the most dynamic tight end in the most pass heavy offense uh he has a phenomenal connection and he's got a wide receiver in Tyreek Hill that can do things 
that most other receivers can't. And so they create space for each other, and it allows Patrick Mahomes to throw it to the guy that's open, whether that's Kelsey, whether that's Hill. You know, Sammy kicks it, pitches in here and there. Running back to be determined will pitch in here and there. But, yeah, those two players are probably one of the most dynamic duos uh, in the game today, and they've got a quarterback that's willing to do what it takes to get them the ball. Yeah, and speaking of, well, I'll get to that in a minute. So that that right there will end our top 12 tight ends for 2019. Again, as I've said, throughout this entire series, we will likely come back and do these uh, toward the beginning of the season to see how much this has changed. Obviously, luckily, too, we have not seen many serious injuries into any NFL players right now. Uh, hopefully that lasts. We always see at least one or two pretty big injuries during the preseason, which is unfortunate. Uh, excited to hopefully they'll see that possibly not happen. So that'll that'll wrap up today's episode. So on Monday, I'm still not going to give it away, but just think about this. Dennis, in a way, somewhat teased it. We'll be doing some kind of dynamic offensive episode. We will also recap any of the major stuff that happened in any of these preseason games. Uh, today and over the weekend, uh, and then we will continue previewing and talking about that offensive thing on Thursday as well. Dennis, before we cut out of here, let everybody know again where they can find you on Twitter and what we've got, uh, what's coming out the pipes of the Dynasty Nerds. Well, I'm at culture underscore coach. Uh, love interacting with everybody. You know, Dynasty Nerds is constantly putting out content. Uh, we've got new articles coming out every day. We've got some IDP content coming, some Dynasty content. And as we ramp up into the season, we're going to be talking more about uh, strategies, lineup building, players to go acquire now, players to target later in the season. Um, And then you can always go ahead and get into the Nerd Herd, $2.99 a month. You get all of our rankings, our buy-sell tool, uh, killer mock draft tool is on its way. All kinds of phenomenal stuff rolling out on the Nerd Herd. Yeah, it is definitely worth it. So, Dennis, again, obviously thank you so much for joining me today. Enjoy the long weekend and enjoy hopefully getting the chance to watch some football. And I will talk to you again on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only the